Now, if you do have your Bible there, please do turn back to Matthew chapter 15 and verses 29 to 39 as we consider this story together. Now, I wonder, are you a person who enjoys quiz shows? And of course, there are the classic quiz shows which have run uh, for many, many years, things like University Challenge and Mastermind. But there are the more modern quiz shows as well, aren't there? Like Pointless or The Chase or Richard Osman's House of Games. I wonder what your favourite quiz show is. But if you were on a quiz show and the host asked you the question, how many people did Jesus feed at the side of the Sea of Galilee? I wonder what your answer might be. Some might say, well, it was 5,000 people because there is the feeding of the 5,000. Those who perhaps reflected on it a wee bit more might say, well, Jesus fed 5,000 men besides women and children. And so there could have been 8,000 to 10,000 people who were fed. Those who perhaps know their Bible a wee bit better might say, well, it depends what story you're referring to. Because there are two stories in the Gospels. There is the the feeding of the 5,000, and of course there is the feeding of the 4,000. Now, of course, the feeding of the 5,000 is, of course, well known, isn't it? We've perhaps known that story uh, ever since we were babes in arms. We've heard it in Sunday school, perhaps. It is just such a well-known story. The story of the 4,000, the feeding of the 4,000, is less well-known. In fact, as you're, you listen to the Bible reading today, perhaps you thought, this sounds awfully familiar, but I'd never heard the story of the feeding of the 4,000. Now, we looked at the feeding of the 5,000 relatively recently. It's found in Matthew chapter 14. And now, here in chapter 15, we have another miracle that seems to be very much the same. It's just the numbers that seem to be slightly different. And the question is, why? Did Matthew make a mistake as he was putting his gospel together and just kind of mixed the numbers up and really this is the, a different telling of the same story? Or is there something deeper that's going on? I think, of course, that these are two separate incidents, but there is a reason why Jesus feeds the 4,000 as well as the 5,000. You see, there's huge questions, isn't there? Why does Jesus do this miracle a second time? Is it just that he found himself in a similar situation as he, he did before? Remember how Jesus had looked for a quiet place and uh, he'd found himself on the other side of the lake. And remember uh, how all the people, because they were so desperate to spend time with Jesus, how they traveled all the way around the lake. And in that solitary place, they met with Jesus. And because it was so remote and there was no 24-hour shopping in those days, no shops nearby, Jesus fed them from just five loaves and two fish, the feeding of the 5,000. And here we find perhaps a a similar situation. 
But it seems to me here that Jesus has intentionally put himself in this situation. You see, Jesus finds himself on the east side of the Sea of Galilee, and he sits down. When a rabbi was going to teach, they would sit down, and the crowds would sit around them. Their disciples would sit around them. And that's clearly what happens here in Matthew chapter 15. And so Jesus intentionally sits down, ready to teach the people in quite a remote place on the east side of the Sea of Galilee. Now, the question for us this morning is, why does Jesus do this? And what I want to suggest to you is that as we've seen over the past uh, few weeks, the, the key to this story is the context. You see, remember the first parts of Matthew chapter 15 that we've uh, looked at in the past uh, few weeks. Remember, uh, a few weeks ago now, we, we thought about the clean and the unclean. And Jesus makes it very clear that it's not what goes into the body that makes us unclean. Remember the, the Pharisees and teachers of the law were complaining about the, the disciples not washing their hands in a, a ceremonial way before eating. And Jesus says, look, that's not really what it's about. It's not what goes into the body that makes us unclean. Rather, it's what comes out of the heart that makes us unclean. It's the inward coming outward that makes us unclean. And then last week, following on from that story, is Jesus gives a right interpretation of what's clean and unclean. And remember also how that's linked to Acts chapter 10 and how the Gentiles uh, came uh, into the kingdom in an amazing way after Peter's vision of the unclean food coming down from heaven. So we've also got to keep that in mind. But remember last week how we also looked at the faith of the Canaanite woman, also known as the Syrophoenician woman that we see in Mark's gospel. But Matthew has a particular reason why he calls her the Canaanite woman. This woman was unclean. She was a Gentile. She was uh, an enemy of the Jews. She's the one who comes to Jesus looking for deliverance for her daughter who was demon-possessed. And remember in their exchange, maybe Jesus seems a wee bit cold. He's quiet to begin with. The disciples say, look, just, just get rid of this woman. Please do for her what you, you can do and then just send her away. And remember how the woman has great faith. Even when Jesus says, look, you know, I've come for the children of, of Israel first and foremost. Remember what the woman says? Even the dogs eat the crumbs from the table. In many ways, in that passage, you might think that Jesus is being quite, quite cold. But in the light of today's passage, I want to show you how there is a massive change. There is a massive change that the disciples have to, have to go through. They didn't even quite get it. We see further on in Acts chapter 10 that Peter, for example, it begins to understand truly what the kingdom is about and who the kingdom is for. But Jesus shows hints of it here. And so, with the Canaanite woman who, 
he delivers her daughter, yes, from a distance, Jesus is showing that perhaps the kingdom is not just going to be restricted to the Jews. It might also be for the Gentiles too. And so, in the light of these passages, clean and unclean, and in the faith of the Canaanite woman, we then come to the feeding of the 4,000. Now, this story this morning has a clear message for us. And the message that is clearly shown in this passage today is that though the gospel is first for the Jew, there is also going to be for the Gentile also. You see, what is key to this story this morning is that those who come to Jesus beside the Sea of Galilee are not Jews. Now, how do we, how do we know that? Well, firstly, Jesus is on the east side of the Sea of Galilee, as shown by the fact that he goes to Magadan at the end of the, the story. We see that in verse uh, 39. Magadan was on the west side. And so uh, it seems that Jesus is on the east side and he travels over the Sea of Galilee to get to, to Magadan. But now, in this passage, he's on the east side of the Sea of Galilee. And on the east side, there were commonly more Gentiles, non-Jews. Now, there are two things, when you read this passage carefully, that point out the fact that this crowd who gather around Jesus are not Jews. The first thing I want you to notice is that when Jesus sits down, he does many miracles. He heals the lame the blind, the crippled, the mute. The people are, are amazed at all the miracles that Jesus does. It says in verse 31, the people were amazed. And then what does it say? And they praised the God of Israel. Now that's a really strange thing to say, isn't it? If these people were Jews, surely it would just say that the people praised God. We see that in other places. They praised God. But here they praise the God of Israel. This shows that this is a Gentile crowd. And there's also a second hint here that this is a Gentile crowd. And it's bound up in the word basket. After the people have eaten and are satisfied, we are told that the disciples pick up seven basketfuls of broken pieces. And the word for basket in this passage is different from the one that's used in the feeding of the 5,000. Remember when the people were, were fed in the, the feeding of the 5,000, that the disciples went round and they picked up 12 baskets of pieces. One, the people were satisfied and they had 12 baskets left over. And the word for basket in the feeding of the 5,000 is the word kofinos, which means a, a typical Jewish lunch pack. But the word here in Matthew 15 in this passage, the word for basket here found in verse 37 is spirus, which is a, a larger Gentile hamper. It's a different word. 
And so what I want you to see is the word for basket in the feeding of the 5,000, Jewish word. The word for basket in the feeding of the 4,000 is a Gentile word. A Gentile hamper refers to a Gentile hamper. So there are two indications here in the people saying, uh, giving praise to the God of Israel, and in the basket that's used to pick up the pieces, that the crowd here are Gentiles. Now what we need to think about this morning is how similar also this story is to the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus is in a remote place. He sits down and he does many miracles. Interestingly here, it doesn't tell us that he actually taught the people as it does in the the feeding of the 5,000. We presume that he did, but certainly he did many miracles. But he's obviously been there, him and his disciples and this large crowd, for quite a long time. The crowd have been with Jesus for three days. And after these three days, they clearly need food to eat. And again, as I said earlier, there's no 24-hour supermarkets or anything like that. And this is a large crowd. Where are they going to get food for all these people? That's the quandary uh, that faces Jesus and the disciples. Well, Jesus, I'm sure, uh, knew what was going to happen. Certainly the disciples. This is faith stretching uh, for them even though they've seen the miracle of what happened with the feeding of the 5,000. Now, what we need to notice here is that the numbers are different in this story. Before, in Matthew 14, there was the feeding of the 5,000, along with women and children. And remember there that there were five loaves and two fish. But here, things are slightly different. It's highlighted there are 4,000 besides women and children. And this time there are seven loaves and a few fish. We don't know how many fish there are, but a few fish. And notice there are differences also. Twelve basketfuls picked up in the feeding of the 5,000. Seven baskets picked up in the feeding of the 4,000. And in both situations, the large crowd are all fed they are satisfied and there is left over. Now what I want you to notice is that these might just be the numbers that happen to be there, but I think it's much more likely that there is significance in these numbers, aren't there? The first thing I want you to notice here is that there are seven basketfuls, well seven loaves first of all and seven basketfuls that are picked up. Now, why is that significant? Well, in Jewish thought, seven is the the universal number. It's the the number, for example, of the the days of creation. Six days God created everything. Then on the first day, uh, God rested. And so, uh, seven days to a week, the universal uh, number. And so, this is a kind of universal number, perhaps symbolizing uh, the whole world. Whereas in the feeding of the 5,000, you have 12 that's emphasized. Why 12? Well, 12 disciples, of course. Why 12 disciples? Well, there are 12 tribes of Israel. 12 is a distinctly Jewish number. Another thing I want you to notice is that there are 4,000 men, besides women and children, fed here, as opposed to 5,000 
in the first miracle. Now, why is that significant? Well, 4,000, of course, besides women and children, a significant number, but less than 5,000. Simple maths. Now, why is that significant? Well, it's highlighting the fact that the kingdom is first for the Jew, the first fruits for the Jews, but then also is for the Gentile. Now, what's the overall message in this story? What's the overall message as we've looked at at chapter 15 of Matthew's gospel? Well, the overall message is that Jesus is the bread of life for Gentile as for Jew. Now, if you think about it, that is quite amazing, isn't it? That whoever believes and trusts in Jesus, the gospel is for them. Now, I want you also to notice that there has been a, a trajectory from the last story. Remember how the Canaanite woman said, even the crumbs fall from the table. What's Jesus saying in this miracle to the Gentiles? You're not just going to have the crumbs. You too are going to experience the fullness of the kingdom. You too are going to experience the bread of life. That's why, if you just looked at that story of the the, the Canaanite woman in isolation, you think that Jesus is very harsh. When you look at it in the light of the feeding of the 4,000, you see the progression that's happening. How Matthew is taking us on a journey. The uncleanness is not about what's on the outside. It's what's on the inside. The same as cleanness is. And we all need a, a cleansed heart. Who is it that can do that? It's Jesus. And Jesus, yes, for the Jews first, but also for the Gentiles. The crumbs from the table will come to the Gentiles, but more than that, they're going to experience Jesus, the bread of life. And so I want you to understand from this passage this morning is the amazing grace of God. That this gospel, that Jesus, not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles, and the full gospel, not just the part, part of the gospel, not second-class citizens in that sense, but the full gospel. Now, for those who were there at the time, for the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, this is mind-blowing. For the disciples, this was mind-blowing. They didn't quite grasp it. They weren't going to quite grasp it. They still thought that Jesus was going to be an earthly king sitting on a throne in Jerusalem overthrowing the Romans. Jesus, of course, was far more than that. He had come as a saviour, the saviour of the whole world. The disciples didn't even understand that after Pentecost. But then... In Acts 10, when Peter has that vision of the unclean foot, he probably remembered back to what happened here. How Jesus declared all food clean. And then he went to Cornelius' house. And remember how the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, came down upon Cornelius and his household as they believed. 
in the good news of the gospel. This gospel, not just for the Jew, but for the Gentile also. That's what this passage is pointing to. And so I want you to see this morning, sometimes in contemporary church, we can act as though the gospel is just for a certain group of people. Sometimes the church is accused of being at middle class. But the church is for anyone, for anyone who will believe and trust in Jesus. The gospel is for anyone who will believe and trust in Jesus for their salvation. You see, Jesus isn't just for the Pharisee. He's not just for the teacher of the law. He's for the common person. He's for the Jew. He's for the Gentile. He's for both. He is the bread of heaven that satisfies our souls. And so what I want you to see from this passage this morning is the fullness of the kingdom and how God's grace is far more than we could ever believe. You see, remember the Jews were waiting for a Messiah. They thought he was going to be an, an earthly Messiah who would restore David's kingdom. But God has a far greater plan in view. You see, God goes back right to the beginning, to what he planned right from the beginning. He planned a saviour to come into the world who would crush the devil's head. The one who would deal with the source of our problems. The one who would deal with sin, who would deal with the blackness of our hearts and who would die on the cross at Calvary for the sins of the world. For all who would believe. You see, here I am this morning in West Kilbride Parish Church standing here in the building that's been here 120 years plus. This church would not be here. This church building would not be here. The church as a people would not exist if it were not for Jesus, if it were not for, if it were not for this story, if it were not for God's grace, showing that salvation is not just for one set of people, it is for the whole world. So I encourage you this morning, let's reflect on this story, the feeding of the 4,000. Let's see the amazing miracles that Jesus did for the people, how he had compassion on these Gentiles. Let's be amazed as the, the people were amazed. Let's see Jesus' compassion, that he cared for the people, that they were hungry. Let's see how he provided for them. And let's see, most of all, how this is a picture for us. That the gospel, first for the Jew, but also for the Gentile. And not second class, not a second class gospel, but a full gospel for anyone who believes. Shall we just pray together? Let's pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your word to us this day. And we thank you for the indications in this passage 
that the crowd that Jesus was speaking to, the crowd that gathered around him that he did so many miracles for, were a Gentile crowd. And that this was a a real indication that the gospel, that the kingdom, not just for the Jew, but also for the Gentiles, for the whole world, for all who will believe and trust in Jesus. Lord God, in our own lives, so often we can limit the gospel. So often we can limit you. We can have a narrow view as to what you're able to do. A narrow view as to who can come into the kingdom. But Lord God, we are so grateful that your grace is boundless. It is an amazing grace. And we thank you that in this passage we see the depth of your love, that you were merciful to these Gentiles, that you fed the Gentiles, that you are the bread of heaven given to the Jew and to the Gentile, whoever believes and trusts in you. Lord God, we pray that our own faith in you might be strengthened this day as we understand all that you are and as we understand all you have done. So, Lord God, speak to us through your word this day, we pray. For we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.